Welcome back to Hemp Vacation. Welcome back to the podcast. On this podcast, we talk about different culture and spirituality ideas as well as cannabis and um mostly that's about it. Um you know, today I want to talk about some of the alien content I've been coming across. Um and yeah, I'm tired. <laughs> um, didn't sleep really good because, you know, I was up late last night watching some alien thing and it was probably too late to be watching that and kind of screwed up my sleep and yeah, I kind of went down a rabbit hole um, for multiple hours yesterday. Um, so let me see. I was watching, trying to find my history, so I was watching, this morning I was watching a little bit of uh, the Absolute Documentaries channel, there was an episode called Aliens on the Moon, The Truth Exposed, and it was more so about you know, structures and things found on, like, the dark side of the moon or through, like, you know, Google Moon or whatever other kind of, like, NASA files and and stuff that people were zooming in on and having questions about some of the photographs that they saw um, and some of the... um, some of the the people um the astronauts um i was watching some content of some astronauts yesterday as well as i think it was buzz aldrin and some uh i was watching um some info about um, George Knapp and uh, let me see who else what was his name George Knapp and Bob Lazar um, type of content Um, Joe Rogan was interviewing uh, Bob Lazar and Jeremy Correll. They were both on the show. And um, is it Correll or Corbell? I can't really. I think it's Correll. But um, yeah, I was uh, watching that content. And um, something else about... Um, I'm trying to get the names right. I'm scrolling to get the names about Travis Walton. So, um, Travis Walton, the, there's a book, the Travis Walton experience. Um, he explains his abduction, 
being abducted by aliens. <clears throat> There's some other speculation about whether or not that's true. Um, some people thought he had some form of a financial gain because of his, uh, you know, so this was like, I guess he was in his 20s at the time and had some kind of contract for some kind of um, work he was doing. Uh, like I guess it was like in the, like some kind of forestry work of some form, it sounded like. Um, and had already gotten an extension, and it seems like, you know, um, he wouldn't be responsible for people, which is why he made up this whole abduction thing. I'm not sure how long... <clears throat> the period of time was where he was abducted but it sounds like he was gone long enough for them to form a search party and then they said also that the mom this wasn't on the joe rogan experience this was on um the the i think it was dr todd grand or grande dr todd grande todd t-o-d-d um has a, a youtube channel and he was doing a story analysis um <clears throat> and he's the one who was adding the information saying how he's doubtful of the story um calling it a hoax but one thing that i noticed uh with travis walton um now it's <clears throat> there are two two things that i kind of noticed and again, I cannot formally diagnose people or anything, but there are two things that I noticed about him right away, you know, because I watch podcasts so much. Um, there are two things that I noticed about him um, right away that kind of separated him, in my mind, out from other people. And the first thing was that he never seemed to become comfortable during his uh, time on the Joe Rogan uh, Experience podcast, uh, I think it's called Powerful JRE, Powerful J Joe Rogan Experience. Um, <clears throat> like usually, you know, people in these conversations. I mean, Joe Rogan's very personable, um, and he seems like he kind of. Um, um, usually people get a little more comfortable speaking with him. I've never seen someone stay in a state that appeared to be uncomfortable. Like, he seemed uncomfortable the whole time. Um, I mean, Travis Walton. Travis Walton seemed uncomfortable the whole time. Uh, so that was one thing that I noticed. Um, a second thing that I noticed was uh, how Travis Walton had significant difficulty responding to questions directly. So, um, he basically, like, I can't think of an exact example, but Joe Rogan would ask him questions trying to get like a timeline for the experience um that he had and trying to get like um a 
trying to get a timeline, trying to get, like, you know, a full story. And the reason why, to me, that felt a little odd is because this interview, I don't know when the interview happened. If I click on it, I can't keep recording right now Um, because I'm recording through my phone and I'm looking at this on my phone. But the interview was within the last few years and the abduction was like when he was, I think it was like 15 years ago, I don't know, years ago, years ago. This was like when he was in his 20s. Um, when Travis Walton was in his 20s. But when I think about it, it's like, when you look up the guy's name, you know, there's a book, there's all this other experience, you know. For someone who had an experience like that, who, um, you know, wasn't able to just talk about it smoothly... To me, that was a little interesting. I have my speculation as to why. Um, two speculations. Now, my first speculation is if you've had something that happened 10, 20, however many years ago, and you've been in the public eye about it for so long, I feel like you would know how to answer those questions smoothly, quickly, directly. It's not like somebody's asking you about something that is um, so um, removed, you know, from your immediate life that, oh, you forgot and you have to, like, remember it or whatever. Now, he could have been tired. He could have just been generally stressed out. Maybe some brain fog, maybe just, you know, when I'm tired, you guys hear how I talk. I'm just like, I can't hardly even, like, remember where I was going, forming sentences and everything. So it's very, very possible that he had that experience. But, um, but it's also possible that, you know, if I'm not thinking about him trying to, trying to lie, you know, my mind goes more towards potentially this is a trauma response that you know he you know doesn't have direct direct access to talking about the information and he is kind of uh um you know his defense he has like a defense mechanism that kind of pushes him to avoid the topic Um, But why someone would go on an interview and not really be able to talk about the topic is a little confusing to me. But I mean, there I feel like there was a lot that he didn't expand on, seemed like he couldn't really expand on. Maybe towards the end, I felt like it maybe got a little bit better, but I really do feel like he just um, wouldn't get to the point too easily. Um kind of a frustrating interview to watch but um you know I'm like that too sometimes I have a lot on my mind and I just go somewhere else but you know if this wasn't an isolated experience if he's always like this you know that's just that to me is weird um I mean 
other than if it was a trauma, you know, which it sounds like it would be, but otherwise, um, it does seem a little odd that someone wasn't able to fully, um, that he himself wasn't able to fully explain uh, answers to the questions. Mm. Like, what were you doing for work when this was happening? Where where were your friends? How did you get, you know, close to the to the spaceship? Like, what happened? You know, you know, trying to figure out what happened leading up to the the abduction, and then what happened during the abduction. Then after, like, I'm not too clear on a lot of it because it seems like he didn't really go into it as deeply as most people do in interviews. So that was that was interesting to me to see kind of the way he responded to things. I've never really seen that many people who respond to things like that. Um, he seems a little I don't know like I I I wouldn't say specifically oh yeah he's lying I don't know I wasn't there I've never been abducted I I don't I have nothing like why would he even lie about this but um it is a little interesting that he wasn't really expanding too much um Maybe he felt like he couldn't. I don't really know. Like, maybe he felt threatened. I don't really know. Um, he wasn't really saying. But again, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I watch a lot of interviewing. I talk to a lot of people on a regular basis. The way that he was responding to something um, that he's seemed to talk to talk about enough to have books and movies about it. Um, he must have talked to people about this before. He's probably talked to multiple people and had so many interviews about it before. It was just a little confusing as to why he wasn't a little bit more um, rehearsed in his answers. Um, you know, I feel like there's some stuff where you talk about it a lot and you kind of know it like the back of your hand almost. Um like, when I talk about experiences, like, things that maybe didn't go right with, like, a grad school program or maybe, like, with a certain, like, supervisor or things like that, like, I can talk about those things. Like, of course, there is, like, when there is trauma to something, you know, people will have their own response to it. And so I'm not trying to say if this poor guy is traumatized that, you know, um people should be like jumping down his neck about it but I I was just I was just a little um confused about the full story it was hard to put the picture together it seems like what happened was they had a type of project that either he was in charge of or something and he was working on this project it sounds like it was in like a forest or some kind of wilderness area where he went out you know he had a team of people that he would work with some guys they were in like their 20s or so um some a little younger some a little older and 
there were witnesses that saw him get, you know, they saw the lights um, in a clearing. And there were other people who came forth and mentioned, you know, that they were maybe like hunting or out, you know, in the same wilderness region and saw the light as well. Um, And he came across a spacecraft, as did the rest of his friends in the truck. And, you know, they mentioned that, you know, he got basically he was missing like he they told the authorities I guess a couple hours later and then people were suspicious thinking that they had injured or killed Travis Walton that his friends had or co-workers had um and then he went missing for some amount of time up until there was a search party and it seems like the mother quit the search party early saying things like um you like he'll turn up somewhere or something like that or I think they interviewed or asked another family member or friend or something and um somebody else mentioned you know like when there's an abduction they always bring people back to the same site you know like things like that where it's like why do these people certain people who you would think might be a little more hysterical or more like shook by this they seemed like they weren't really um concerned and then not all of the um people in the truck had the same uh maybe like explanation about what they witnessed some said they witnessed it some said they didn't um so it's kind of like okay like if you're literally watching your friend get abducted you know how how would you not see that you know but i don't know um or even like the spaceship or anything so I don't know that's kind of generally how the story goes part of it's what Todd Grande at Dr. Todd Grande added part of it's what uh, Travis Walton explained himself when he was talking to Joe Rogan um and I kind of wonder um how long he was gone for um like I don't know like maybe like what they say that um I guess Dr. Todd Grande said that you know according to his story analysis that there was potentially a financial gain for Travis Walton so I'm wondering in the end did he get a financial gain from this um how much was the financial gain? Um, like, <clears throat> um, he said that he was like, I guess, trying to speculate as to why they would have captured him, you know, um, and, you know, he was in the spacecraft woke up on a type of metal table and there were three extraterrestrial beings there um he said that he kind of freaked out um 
was feeling like super weak um and moved kind of swiftly to like swing at one of at one of the one of the beings and he said that the one that he actually struck like not even it it seems like the amount of force that he used to strike that being wasn't the amount of um like he was surprised that the amount of force that he felt he used which wasn't a lot of force because he was weakened um that the you know the being felt back fell back and felt like kind of like light lighter weight than might be expected um which was surprising to him and then he said that you know he started swinging at he grabbed something that was on a shelf and started swinging at, at them I don't know if he was yelling and swinging or something like that and then um they kind of backed up but they didn't he says to his knowledge they didn't really harm him just he said when he was outside before he got abducted um when the craft seemed like it was going to start to move because it started making more noise or something he um jumped kind of forward to shield himself with a log that was like in front of him but closer to the spaceship and that maybe got him close enough where they could get him into this like beam or something where um he, that's when he felt like he was getting weakened he he's he described it saying he felt like he was gonna die um but it sounds like when he was inside the spaceship um as far as what he explained it sounds like nothing happened other than he, him being fearful um he was he was um like nothing happened specific that he mentioned and other than being where the beings were he was the one that was frightened he was the one that was swinging he was the one who struck one of them he was the one who got an object off the shelf and started swinging it wildly to keep them at a distance and they backed up they didn't seem like they used any other force according to his explanation or any other um like any methods of intimidation or any restraint methods and then they called in someone who looked like a human man um who had like a some type of a he explained it almost like a fishbowl like a like a thing over his head um for some reason i don't know what but um he had something on his head per, for some reason like that wasn't described like why and i think he and and travis were talking um that seems to be as far as the story got um and then he was um 30 miles away when he got dropped back he was dropped 30 miles from where he had been abducted um and he mentioned that you know he had eeg scans from the place where muhammad ali had gone he had some 
EEG scans from prior to his abductions and some um, after the abduction. And it turns out that there was something that happened during the abduction where that result wasn't really showing up on the EEG anymore. Um, But other than the experience seeming to have traumatized him, he didn't really go into any other explanations of uh of what was really of of what happened um I feel like Joe Rogan was trying to get to more details of the story but it didn't really get much past that um and some of the stuff I threw in from what Dr. Todd Grande was saying in the story analysis episode um of his own on his own channel and so i I don't know like that's like if there was some background thing it's kind of weird to me it's like why would somebody really be lying like all these years about something I mean like I guess if you've been interviewed and you're in tv and all this kind of stuff um and have books and all this kind of stuff written about you movies I mean I don't know how much financial gain that really seems to be um, I mean, the guy was already working, and to make an alien abduction story to try to, you know, improve your life financially, I don't, I don't really think the payoff, I don't know, would the payoff really be worth it? It sounds like he, he had a job that was, you know, a good job, maybe, maybe it wasn't, I don't know, but it sounded like he was in a in a in a high enough role that he could like create contracts of some sort but um Dr. Todd Grande's analysis seems to say that that um Travis had um too much at stake with the job that it wasn't going to be able to get done on time and because winter was approaching and they didn't do that type of job during winter months because of the weather um he would have had to wait until spring um and that deadline was fast approaching and so is that i don't really know like i don't really even know what to say like is that the the real the real story or not um the only thing I could tell was just, like, watching him talk. I haven't come across a lot of interviews that looked like that before. Um, it was a, a rare um, type of footage um, to see somebody interviewed. Um, kind of how he was being interviewed. Um, for him to not really, you know, um, loosen up and for him to not directly like talk about the story very clearly because it's not like he just learned it like I did like it's not like last night like last night I just watched and learned about the story um and then so it kind of makes sense that I have trouble explaining it but if somebody has seems to have way more trouble explaining it than I do when it actually happened to them I I would probably go to that's a that's potentially a trauma response. 
um, before I would say that he's lying. I mean, because the incentives, while they might be there, they don't really seem to fully be there. Like, he didn't write the book. I don't know what his royalties look like or anything. Um, but I don't think being abducted by aliens is something that people really talk about for fame. Um, I don't really think it makes people wealthy. I can't really think about, uh, people who I even know names of that became wealthy outside of people who are maybe like scientists, astronauts, um, you know, Neil deGrasse Tyson, you know, like people who are coming up, you know, have come up or are coming up, uh, because of not only, I'm not seeing Neil deGrasse Tyson only thinks about aliens, but it's just like, you know, people like that, you know, who are kind of like, okay, that makes sense if you have like a show or like Skinwalker Ranch or like some History Channel thing or whatever it may be. Yeah, those people are, are making money. Um, but the people who have the individual stories, I think it seems to me that they don't get, like, a position of, like, a high status because they've got abducted. Usually there's kind of this, uh, stigma a little bit of, like, eh, this person, like, they get challenged and then they get interviewed, harassed, um... I think for someone who's working, you would likely prefer to just work at your job, like, if you're really looking for money. I don't think that, you know, people who talk about their life life stories when they get abducted, I or even when they have alien encounters, I really have I really have a hard time. I'm not I'm not saying that I think that they're all telling the truth but I'm just saying I don't think that they do it for a financial incentive or for like a popularity incentive maybe the popularity I could maybe see they might like the attention you know they might want to feel like special that kind of thing that's something that I could kind of understand more than like the money part I don't really feel like they make so much money like there's no one in history that I can think of that's considered, like, the expert on, like, extraterrestrial abduction, and that person is the go-to, you know, um, famous person, you know, who talks about it, um, we have different stories from people who have been, like, on the moon, who they're the go-to people to talk to about that, that makes more sense, but, other than that, and then the people who went to the moon who, you know, could talk directly to things that they may have seen, like, feeling like they were being watched or observed while, like, they were landed on the moon, and they noticed some lights in the distance, and, like, that there were, like, you know, something was out there that was not just them, or they were being followed, like, that kind of stuff, you know, I would still consider that a form of an encounter, that kind of stuff makes more sense to me. Like, they have no reason to really be lying. I mean, they're professional astronauts. Um, they don't have any reason to be, like, saying that kind of stuff. 
um, even if they said that they didn't see anything, I mean, they still got to go to the moon, right? So it's kind of like, I don't really think, um, I know people, there are people who believe that there was no lunar landing and all that kind of stuff too. So I don't, I don't really know, but, um, I haven't dove, I haven't dove into that yet, but I do think that, you know, people don't usually get famous in a positive way. Um, unless you're like an astronaut or a scientist um, who says, you know, oh, yeah, I've had some kind of an encounter. Like the people on Skinwalker Ranch or the people, um, like I mentioned, like the people who were part of the lunar landings or scientists and things like that. Um, those are different experiences. I don't think... Um, that it's, uh, I don't think that the average Joe is really trying to create a legacy of, of, uh, riches, um, and popular, you know, like, uh, you know, upstanding reputation in the community because of saying that they got abducted by aliens. I think they get more ridicule and more, um, negativity, at least in the past. I mean, in in recent times, this is it's becoming way different. That people might actually start getting a little bit more. Um, uh, what do you call it? Um, open to the ideas, and I mentioned that because you know, yesterday was the first time in a while. You know, I, I walked. Um, I was in my neighborhood walking. I went to a Ralph's supermarket and, you know, I was looking at stuff I was going to buy. I purchased, you know, just once I realized it was going to take me, it was going to cost me about $30 for three toiletries, you know, cause I wasn't really looking at the prices. I was just kind of looking at, um, you know, stuff that I needed. And so I just was going to get like a pack of razors, a uh, a new toothbrush and like some other thing and then I realized I was like each of these things is like eight ninety nine. like screw that I'm not getting these all of this um so I went back and you know put things back on the shelves and got cheaper versions of the stuff that I needed um but that was a weird experience because I hadn't been in a store for a really long time and you know I'm used to just picking whatever is kind of at eye level I don't usually go to the bottom of the shelf and like start looking there but I was like I saw the prices dropping as I looked down and I'm like man like okay am I gonna get an $8.99 to $12.99 price toothbrush or I can look down here at the bottom for the $5.99 ones or $3.99 and then I decided you know the toothbrush I have is fine and we have extras in the house anyway so I'm just gonna like we have extra unused ones so I was like I'll just wait and not buy one now because goodness um so that was the first thing that I thought, um, you know, um, when I was shopping, but then, you know, before I left, I was like, let me check the magazine section. Cause you know, I've been like working on my health lately. And sometimes I get, uh, you know, if they have like, uh, like athletic type of magazines, you know, um, sometimes it's a little motivating for me. So I looked through like, I think it was like women's health and they had some articles about most of it was food. 
um, and then some exercises, like, I start, I look at the exercises, and sometimes when they have, like, the magazine, what, um, that has, like, a boot camp, or some kind of, like, you know, exercise routine that you can, like, go through or something, um, that's kind of usually what I'd be more likely to, um, to watch, to, to buy it, but it only had, like, a few workout routines, like, quick articles, and, like, it was kind of, like, stuff that I already knew, like, something about planks and something else with, like, kettlebells or something, I don't know, it was stuff that I was, like, it didn't look unfamiliar or new, so I was, like, well, I don't think I'm really gonna learn anything new from this, so I'm not gonna buy it, and, um, there were some food recipes, but I was, like, I don't, you know, I could just Google recipes, like, I don't really need, like, a whole magazine to, like, and all the stuff you can Google, you can Google, Google workouts, I mean, it, you know, it's all online for free, there's a lot of stuff that's free right now, so I was, like, I don't really need to buy this, but I kind of was kind of wondering what was in it, and then, you know, I looked, and I saw, like, I think it was, like, a National Geographic about, like, UFOs or something, and, like, something like that, and I was just, like, oh, this is interesting, like, it's not just me, because I watch this kind of stuff all the time, but, I've noticed there's a lot of shows on it, um, because, like, I was mentioning, um, there's, you know, I've been watching more TV than ever (laughs) in recent decades, because I'm finally in a house where there's a television in the living room, and, you know, my mom usually puts it on record for, like, the alien type of content, and then every so often when I'm kind of bored, when I don't want to watch sports or something, and I'm like, "Ah, I want to watch something a little more intriguing, I'll click on one of those episodes, um, so I think it was Ancient Aliens and also Skinwalker Ranch, um, she had those recorded, and so I remember going through mostly the Skinwalker Ranch content, I found that really interesting, but, um, yeah, um, Travis Walton, I don't really know what to think about it, just interesting story, um, uh, the stuff about the, the the stuff on the moon wasn't really as interesting. I did finish watching it because it seemed like all the information that was in there was compiled from stuff I'd already heard in different... Uh, it was nothing, like, brand new. It was, like, stuff I'd heard before. Oh, my gosh, I'm yawning. I'm so tired. Um, Didn't sleep good last night at all. Um, And then the one that was my favorite so far was the... Bob Lazar and Jeremy Correll one. Um, I really liked it because it showed, um, I think it's Corbell. Am I saying this wrong? I can't see because the bottom line is covering the part of the letters. Um, anyways, um, yeah, that was just kind of what I what I had noticed. Um, but yeah, I liked the Bob Lazar, Lazar um, story about, you know, how he worked at Area 51 and his experience there. Um, a very interesting episode, um, about two hours, and they talked about... Um, uh, what's it called? A reactor, I guess? It was a type of a reactor 
that there were nine reactors that they had in total. And one of the reactors was, uh, at least one of them, was dug up at an archaeological site. I don't know which site, but... Um, and that um, Bob Lazar was um, working. He was a scientist um, working and... Like, it sounds like eventually his history, his records got pretty much erased. Um, and um. Yeah, his history got erased from all the schools he ever went to, jobs he had, everything, birth certificate, all that kind of stuff eventually went missing um, to try to, like, silence him. And so during this episode with Joe Rogan, um, Bob Lazar mentioned, you know, having a migraine. He's very um, stressed out, super anxious. Um, and... You know, he's talking about his experience um, with the job that, you know, there was like a lab partner, if that's what you want to call it. Um, And, you know, it was like top secret work. And there were some people that he showed, you know, there were outsiders that he showed them about these crafts about how they, you know, there were crafts. He was in his 20s, and there were, like, these crafts. Um, There was one particular craft that he got to go in once and saw um, some others at a distance. Um, And this type of reactor thing, um, they were working on this, trying to find out what it does. It seems like you can't touch it because at at certain points when it's like on this in this like on function, you can't touch it because it um, um, does something to the gravity that makes it so that you can't physically touch it. It moves gravity. Um, And then he was saying um, that some of his findings that he wrote about about. I don't even remember. There was so much stuff. It was like, there's something like 115 and about um, some some element um, that they newly found and then about like gravity being, being waves. Um, um, different things like that, that, you know, I guess he had mentioned earlier, this was back in 89 or so, or 82 or something, like, back in the 80s, that later on in time, um, the scientific community, um, found that stuff out, too, so there was kind of some stuff while working on that project that they kind of were thinking about, and then it turns out that it was kind of proven later on. 
Um, and he says that they, you know, bring up these projects about every 10 years. They find out as much as they can. There's different departments working on different things. He was specifically working with this one guy on about this reactor. And a person would come in every day and ask him the information, like if there's any findings or anything. And then that person would relay any information. And the way he was called into work, it wasn't like a nine to five. Like he was just like called and told when he needs to get on a plane or when he needs to be there. Um, And then there were some people who, you know, lived on, on site, worked there and lived on site. Um, and the wife, I guess, thought that, uh, Bob was cheating on her and, you know, all this kind of stuff. It, it just sounds like, um, they really tried to intimidate him from talking about any of this top secret stuff. Um, but it is really interesting that he did have a lot to say about it. He just, he said that the hard part for him was, you know, his stress levels and that he had a really bad migraine during the episode and um, that made it challenging for him. So, I don't know. Like, I, I don't really know what I think. Um, it's kind of interesting to think about, um, some reason when I think about Bob Lazar's story compared to the Travis Walton story, um, there's something with somebody like Bob Lazar that seems like it would be more credible but I don't really know but it just you know just the way he talked about it too but those are completely different experiences right one's like a work experience um with technology the other is uh an abduction experience and you know witnessing you know um having encounters and a negative experience with that first contact with those beings. Um, Yeah, Travis Walton seemed like it was a negative experience. Bob Lazar didn't seem like it was a necessarily positive experience. Um, I know he doesn't like talking about the experience, um, it sounds like there were parts of it that were definitely negative. Like that they had access to tapped line information about his wife thinking that he was cheating on her. Um, or maybe she was cheating on him or something. Um, I can't remember now when I'm thinking about it. But um, that, you know, they didn't reveal that to him right away until they believe that it might become a problem if he started acting erratically while trying to work on this project. So I guess they started giving him more and more breaks um, from coming in. He wasn't really aware of what was going on. Um, Like, he knew that the lines were tapped, but 
Um, I don't think the wife knew, and I mean, I don't know. I don't want to get like in his personal business about it, but I would. There's a part of me that is a bit curious about like how that went with the wife and everything. Um, just a nosy part of me wants to kind of know that. Um, but yeah, it's kind of interesting that he says he's not so interested in you in in um aliens as he is in the in the technology he's mostly interested in the you know technology so um i don't know i find i find that interesting um he was mentioning that the um the reactor had like a shell to it that you could remove um, and then when you would put it back on, it would, you know, turn on or something. And it could, like, hover. Um, it can move um, above the ground. There would be, like, a blue light, a blue or haze or something, like a soft blue haze, where it would, you know, rise from maybe, like, the floor to about 10 to 20 feet off the ground. Um, I feel like those are big differences, 10 or 20 feet. Like, you know, I, I, I used to play basketball more, but, like, usually the basketball goal is, like, 10 feet for the rim um, to be set at 10 feet. And so I'm thinking 10 feet is, like, you know, maybe if you if you have, like, a long net on a 10-foot regular court, you can usually kind of almost touch the net if you can't already touch the net. Like, it's not uncommon for people to be able to touch the net or almost touch the net or, you know, in some cases, touch the rim or dunk. 20 feet, I don't think that's even possible to get up there. Like, 20 feet is, like, higher than one story um, of a house. And so... I don't really know that. Like, if you meant, like, it could go up somewhere between 10 and 20 feet. But, I mean, like, I feel like if something goes up about less than 10 feet versus 20 feet, I feel like that's a big difference of a distance, in my opinion, just because I would compare something to, like, playing basketball. It's like, yeah, like, 10 feet isn't that high, like, it's high, obviously, for something that has no buttons, no wiring, no nothing. Like, you know, it's high, for sure. But um, I'm just saying, like, when you mention 10 or 20 feet, it's like, which one? You know? Like, that, to me, is a big difference. Um, but, again, you know, this was such a long time ago, too, like you mentioned. Um, I think you said it was, like, almost 30 years ago or something like that. Like, it was so long ago. It was in the 80s, and he's not that young. Um, but, yeah, there's that. Um, I'm kind of interested in the alien technology, too. And to me, that sounds really cool that they find stuff, and they're trying to, like, um, um, you know, see like, find information about what they found, um, I do find that pretty fascinating, but it's kind of interesting, because, like, I wish that the Bob Lazar type people 
would be able to talk about their experiences. Um, I do find that type of content very interesting, especially because you don't usually hear it every day. Um, but I, you know, I do not lately, but I have been on the Gaia app for a while. It kind of, there's a show, there's still a show on there called Cosmic Disclosure. And I, I did, I'm not knocking the show. I would recommend it for people who like that kind of content. Um, just, you know, they kept interviewing like the same guy from Germany. And I think they were interviewing Joe Dispenza before that. And I think, uh, I don't know if that's who it was, but like, it was someone who was speaking Spanish and they were, you know, they had an, an interpreter kind of talking, interpreting over it. Um, and so I kind of stopped watching those episodes because it was kind of the same guys getting interviewed all the time. And it was a little like, okay, like it those two guys for some reason aren't as interesting as some of the other people they've had on um for me anyways um so i'm not sure but one thing i did notice is that the shift in that gaia content did start happening around the time when a lot of these alien type of uh, alien and UFO type of like content stories started becoming a little bit more popular mainstream. Um, you know, and so like during the, during the pandemic pretty much. Um, so I did kind of notice that, uh, shift. Um, and obviously it's probably hard to get people to interview too, if you're in the middle of a pandemic, but it's like, you know, I'm kind of waiting for them to kind of shift again. I'm not sure if they're having a hard time getting people because of, you know, the newer um, exposure to things, uh, the newer, um, you know, general population of the world being more and more exposed to content like that. Um, I'm not too sure if there's anything with that that's making it harder for the show to continue to get like newer different faces on there um they they state that they were in an an alien space program and they do a lot of talking about the alien space program um no sorry the secret space program i don't know what they call it um but it's Emery Emery Smith is that his name um but you can get a free trial of the app I think if you've never gotten it before and um you know it's got cool content that's probably my favorite my favorite show on there and I haven't been able to find it elsewhere so whenever I do want to watch it I kind of get the app for a while and catch up um but that's kind of the only thing I watch on there. They do have like martial arts and yoga and meditation and different types of content like that. Um, and stuff about like Ayurveda and all kinds of religion type of stuff and spirituality type of stuff. So they do have a lot of content that interests me, but it's I'm mostly there for like the alien stuff. 
Um, and yeah, there's some guys that are that have some shows on TV that pop up and some of the content in there too. So it's not like completely isolated people. But some of this other stuff, those like secret space program things on the Gaia app are very, uh, to say the least, they're interesting. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of all I have to say about what I've been watching. That was what was kind of keeping me up at night. And um, I don't know, I found it interesting, but um, I don't know. Um, thanks for listening.